Well, this morning we are so honored. How many know it's good to be honored? We are so honored today to have Pastor Ontario Green. Now, we, we call him Pastor because he was serving as on pastoral staff there uh, under Bishop Jakes there at the Potter's House the last six months, though. He's gone full-time in evangelism. He's now traveling the world. He's had a chance to go to Australia, working with Planet Shakers, Hillsong, some other places. And uh, God's just using him already. He's told me he's had about 77 in the last six months, booked up, engagements. And uh, he just took a step of faith, believing the Holy Spirit was directing him. He's still under the covering of the potter's house there. He stay, how many know it's important? He stays under the covering of his spiritual house, and they are sending him out with blessing. And today we are honored to have him here at Destiny here in Jump. And I want you guys to put your hands together. Welcome. Pastor Ontario, come, man. We love you. What's up, y'all? Somebody make some noise for Jesus this morning. Oh, I said make some noise for the King of Kings. I said make some noise for the Lord of Lords. I said make some noise for Jehovah Jireh. I said make some noise for your provider. I said make some noise for your healer. I said make some noise for the King of Glory. Amen. I'm excited to be in the house of God this morning, excited to be back. First time I was a guest, second time I'm family. So I was here in 2017, and I'm really happy to be back. And uh, I come with a word from the Lord this morning. How many of you came for a word this morning? Come on, can we do better? Anybody come for a word this morning? Amen. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Amen. I want to give honor where honor is due. To Pastor Gene and his beautiful, beautiful first lady. Can we just make some noise for the BBs? Come on, can we make some noise for your senior leadership in this room? Oh, you can do better than that. Somebody make some noise for your senior pastors. Your oversight. Yeah, we give honor where honor is due all the time. I send greetings from the Potter's House where Bishop T.D. Jakes is the senior pastor. Today is actually Bishop Jakes' birthday, so if you haven't done so and you want to say something to him, this would be a great day to shout him out on social media, tell him happy birthday. I'm sure he would appreciate it and all of that good stuff. Uh, also, uh, I am married. I've got a wonderful, beautiful family. My family is at home in Dallas waiting on me to get back, and uh, they are anxiously waiting on my arrival. Uh, David, Jaden, Jaden, and my beautiful wife, Crystal. Can you make some noise for my family who's been sacrificing the last six months as I've spent half this year so far on the road? And they have so generously prayed, covered, been excited, happy, and all of that good stuff as God is pushing us into this season that we're in. And it has just been absolutely amazing. I also uh, want to acknowledge my good friend, Pastor Benjamin Halp, is in the house. Come on, somebody, Harvest Church. Probably, probably, probably one of the next generations, David, uh, Goliath slaying monsters in the building. Amen. I could pass this mic right now and, uh, we could, we could tag team easily because he's a bad man of God. Y'all got to have him at some point as well. He's pretty awesome. I double co-sign on him. And then, uh, as you get ready for the word of God, uh, get your Bibles and go to, uh, Numbers chapter 17 and first Peter chapter two. It's Numbers chapter 17, 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to mix some old with some new, and we're going to see if we can make something special. How about that? Sound good? As you're turning to Numbers chapter 17, um, I want to tell you about something that I'm doing that God has commissioned me to do in this year. Uh, this will be the second year that I've been, I've been doing it, but now I have more liberty and more freedom to kind of push into it more. It's called the Platoon. The Platoon is an online coaching program. Keep playing. It sounds really good. Uh, it's an online coaching program, amen, that I, that God has given me a heart for. I have a heart for next-gen leaders. I have a heart for the Davids of my generation. I have a, a heart for the Joshuas and my generation. And I really have a heart to make sure that they learn certain things. And so so this is, this is like an online 12-month training program where I spend a year walking next to you, talking talking you through stuff monthly, uh, video coaching calls, monthly resources, all kind of cool stuff. So if you feel like you're 
you're a next-gen leader and you feel like you're called to do great things, amen, right here, hello somebody, right here in Joplin, and you want to stay here in Joplin, but you want to get training online, all that good stuff, hit, hit, stay here in Joplin, hello somebody, uh, check it out when you get a chance. It's the platoon, and we've graduated two years already of people, and it's just been phenomenal. I've got people from all around the world uh, as far as South Africa in the program, and I would love for you to consider it if you feel like you're called to the next generation in any capacity. Go check it out on my website, OntarioGreen.com. I'd love to be your coach. First, uh, let's go to Numbers chapter 17. Are we ready? While she's playing something worshipy behind me, it sounds so good. Let's get into the word of God. Are we ready? Let's do it. And it reads, and the Lord, keep playing while I'm, while I'm reading. It just makes it all sound better. It feels better. That's just what I've learned. The anointing is all over here and I just share in it. Is that cool? All right, let's do it for real now. Number 17. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders according to their father's houses. Okay, 12 rods. Write each man's name on his rod and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there, for, for there shall be one, um, there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. Verse 4. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. Verse 5. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus, I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece for each leader according to their father's houses, 12 rods. And the rod of Aaron was among their rods, and Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of of witness. Verse 8, I'm almost there. And now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold Aaron's rod the uh, Aaron's rod Aaron, uh, behold the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi come on got to get it right had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms and yield almonds then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel and they looked and each took his rod and the Lord said to Moses bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to, to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaints away from me lest they die thus Moses did just as the Lord had commanded so he did and first Peter chapter 2 verse 9 this is a very familiar text very a very familiar scripture it says but ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye shall show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If, if I could create a title for this message, I would mix this first part of First Peter 2 and 9. It says, but ye are a chosen generation. And I would push myself back up to Numbers chapter 17, verse 5, that says, and ye shall be, and, and it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. If I could mix those two together, uh, and, 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 and not get in trouble, I, I would use the title, This Bud's For You. Am I all right, Pastor Gene? I'm okay? I'm all right? I promise this will make more sense when we get towards the end. Okay? You don't have to cover your kids' ears or cover their eyes. I promise you we're going somewhere with this. Touch your neighbor and say, we're going somewhere. Let's pray so Budweiser gets no glory. Father, we bless you and thank you for this word today. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be able to be in your presence. The worship was wonderful. The spirit in this house is magnificent. And I'm so grateful, Father, that you are here in the presence of your people. Now, God, stand up big. Hide me behind this pulpit, Father, that you would be seen, that you would be magnified, that you would be glorified, and the devil would be horrified. I thank you for victory in front of us. I thank you for victory on my right. I thank you for victory on my left. I thank you that the devil is under my feet. I thank you, Father, that everywhere I go, that the devil's head is being stepped on, Father, because you have made us victorious. We give you glory in advance in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. 
All right, let's go to work. Amen. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, number 17 is, is an interesting depiction of people who have been pulled out of a particular situation, who have been given freedom and a new opportunity for life and a new way of living and a new way of thinking. But the problem that we have with the text here and the whole reason why God is doing what he's doing in this particular situation is because he has people who have been brought out of bondage who are now complaining and fussing about how good things are where they are because they miss what they used to have. See, you got to understand that they spent 430 years. Somebody say 430. Took you a long time to say it. That's how long they were in Egyptian bondage. You have to understand these are God's chosen people. These are the Israelites. These, this, this is, this is, this is the ones who, uh, 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 who, who, who God chose. These are, these are his chosen people. And you got to understand they went into Egypt free. They came into Egypt as free people. They, they came in because, because this dude named Joseph became second in command and, 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 and he had, he had favor with the Pharaoh. And then, uh, uh, there arose a Pharaoh that knew not the God of, of Joseph and, and he began to make, he began to make them slaves. He began to, to put hard work on them. He began to, to put stuff on them. He began to take away their freedom and their liberty and he made them slaves in a land that they were free in. Now you gotta understand there was a generation that came in that were free when they got there, but 430 years gives for at least Four to five, maybe even six generations of people who knew not freedom. You have, you have mamas and dads who came in free, who were forced to be slaves, who after several years were born into slavery. So they have no idea what it looks like to be free. They don't know what it looks like to be able to go to a Whataburger and order a number two. They don't know what it looks like to be able to go to a college football game and watch the Boomer Sooners beat whoever they're going to play and have the, the top two number one draft pick Heisman winners two years in a row. They don't have the liberty to be able to do so many things. They just never had it because they were in bond. They don't know what an in and out burger tastes like. Glory to God. They don't know what it looks like to be able to order what they want or say what they want because they have been told what to do, what to eat, how to carry themselves, what to say, when they could say it, when they could not say it because they were in Egyptian bondage for 430 years. And now they have come out of Egyptian bondage, but there is nothing worse than being able to come out of something that you used to be in, but what you used to be in is still in you. Oh, y'all don't want to talk to me this morning. It's all right. See, because they came out of Egypt, but it was real hard for Egypt to come out of them. So they get out in the wilderness where they're free. And, you know, there can be miracles when you believe. The part, the sea parts and, and the water crashes down and, and, and every, all the good stuff happens. We've seen it. Moses, stretch out your rod. We remember it. They come across on dry land. But they still got this stain in their brain of bondage. So they find themselves in the wilderness complaining about things that free people would never complain about. But because they have this stain in their brain about what they've gone through, I'm calling this point the transition if you're taking notes. This is the transition. We're going we're gonna to cover three things. They're going through this transition that they're having a hard time with because when you come out of something, sometimes it's really hard for you to get out of that mindset. It's really hard for you to drop it and just walk away. It's really hard when you just walk away because it's so fresh and it's something that you've done. It's really hard to get away from generational curses because this has been in your bloodline for four generations now and your mama had problems with it and your 
grandmama had problems with it and big mama had problems with it and papa had problems with it so now it's just fitting that you would have problems with it too but how many of you know the devil is a liar and you don't have to be bound by the stuff that your mama was bound by that your daddy was bound by that whom the son is set free is free indeed can I get a good amen right here in destiny and they found themselves in the wilderness free but not free indeed they had some issues they didn't they don't know what it felt like to be able to go to a piano recital and see their children play and celebrate they didn't know what it feels like to have a son playing center at a major university and be able to show up at a game and cheer and be excited they didn't know what it felt like to make their children feel special, feel important, or here's a key word, feel chosen. Which brings me back to my first Peter reference, which is you are a chosen generation. Uh, how many of you know that, that, that chosen is something important? Uh, when you look up the Greek definition for the word chosen, it means to be pointed at. Okay. It means to be pointed at. It means that I see you. It means that I acknowledge your presence in the room. It means that I actually see who you are and what you're doing. And I have made public acknowledgement that I actually see you. And so, so we live in a very, uh, I wouldn't say, I, I, we live in a generation and a time where it is more important now to feel pointed at than ever before. Don't believe me? Post something on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, hallelujah, and not get the type of response that you thought you were going to get. Uh-huh. You start tripping in your mind up here because man, I, that should have gotten more love because we like to be pointed at. Our culture has turned into a pointing culture in the fact that everything around us points at other people to the point to where we even like to be entertained by being pointed at. Don't believe me? Look at the first winner of the most amazing shift in television entertainment, which was Kelly Clarkston. She won a competition called American Idol. It is a show based on being pointed at and someone saying that you're good. So it progressed and then we have shows like America's Next Best Dance Crew, which I'm so excited about them bringing back. Uh, you, you got dance crews that are dancing and then they stand before the judge and they say, how did I do? Because we're obsessed with being pointed at. Because we are used to having this desire and this need to be pointed at so 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 even so to the point to where my favorite show is is on is on is on is on this 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 great network where 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 these people sit in chairs you've seen it and they sit with their back to the people who are singing and 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 they listen for the voice to see if they want to turn around and point and say i've chosen you for my team See, it's everywhere in the culture that we live in, and we don't even recognize sometimes our desire to be pointed at. So, so we live in a time where it's easy to miss the relevance of us having a desire to be pointed at, but this is what we need to understand and take a hold of is that it doesn't matter what man has said, it doesn't matter what man has pointed or what he has not pointed at. When you understand that your father sees you, when you understand that your father acknowledges you, when you understand that your father has words in his mouth of aspiration and confirmation for you, then you don't look to be pointed at by a man because you realize that if I have God's approval and God's acceptance, it's better than any man's acceptance or approval. Can I get a good amen right there? Uh-huh. So I, I, I just 
want to take a few minutes, if we can unpack this, I want to transition from this transition that the children of Israel have gone through to now, let's talk about the man. Somebody say the man. The man is Aaron. Aaron is the man of the moment. And God is dealing with this man uh, because he has commanded every leader to bring their staffs and lay it up in the presence of the Lord. And he included Aaron's rod. He included Aaron's rod. He included Aaron's rod. So you got to understand a little bit about Aaron. Aaron is God's chosen man to do spiritual things for the children of Israel have they, after they've made this transition into freedom. So it is God's chosen and appointed man. And now the people of Israel have started to complain that they know a better way. They know they, 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 they've got all these ideas and they start grumbling against leadership. Mm. And they start saying stuff and they start getting upset and they start feeling a certain kind of way. And, 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 and so God has to put the people uh, 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 in their place and make sure they understand that he has chosen who he has chosen. And, 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 and it doesn't matter what you think, that, that, but I have already chosen this individual. But you got to understand, Aaron had already been chosen, but now Aaron is in for the longest night of his life. <laughs> now, you got to understand some things about Aaron, and I need you to see this. Now, before Numbers chapter 17, there was Numbers chapter 12, where he and his sister came and complained against, well, I'm sorry, where Aaron and Moses' sister came and started complaining against some of the things that Moses was doing, and one of them was struck with leprosy, and they were about to die uh, uh, until Moses uh, uh, interceded, and the mercy of God came and, and stopped that thing from happening. So, so this happened a few chapters back, and if you back that thing up a little bit more back to Exodus, there was this other situation where Moses had went up to the mountaintop to meet with God. And as he was meeting with God, getting the Ten Commandments, Aaron was left in charge. And the people started, Hi. 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 They was giving, having themselves a good old time. So much so that they were in gross sin. So much so that they wanted to go back to Egypt again and worship false gods. So much so that Aaron allowed them to create a golden calf in the place of their God because Moses was taking too long to come from the mountaintop and they were convinced that he was never coming back so they had to go back to what they used to worship. They went back to the stuff that they used to do and they went back to their old ways and their mentalities and the ways of the Egyptians. And Aaron is in charge. Moses comes down off the top of the hill. Can you imagine the shame in Aaron's face as Moses comes down with the glow of God on his, on his face and he comes down with the Ten Commandments and, and Aaron realizes that Moses, that Moses is actually alive and not dead. So Aaron is now in a position waiting for this rod to be confirmed and here it is. Here, this is the great part. Wondering if God has changed his mind about him. Because it's just like us to do something, excuse my French, stupid, and wonder if God has changed his position about us and about what he wanted to do through us and about what he wanted to accomplish through us. And about the will and the purpose that he had for us. And about the destiny that he created us for. It's just like us as men and women to believe that God would change his mind and feel as though you are not qualified anymore to do what God has called you to do. It's just like us to believe that God would forget about us and, 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 and move on. Kind of reminds me of a story. When I was... In school, I was, uh, I, was, I was a bit of an attention-holic. I, I just made that word up. We Wikipedia it later. It'll be there. I loved attention as a kid. I was a funny guy. Liked people to acknowledge and see me because I didn't get a lot of it growing up. So I, I took advantage of it at school, and I would get it when I could. I got a great video game system for Christmas. It's called a Game Gear. 
Now, you got to be at least 30 years or older to know what a Game Gear is. A Game Gear was the first portable Sega Genesis device, and it was created after the Game Boy. And it was the first color portable video game system, and it was thebomb.com. If you had a Game Gear, you was doing big things. And I got one for Christmas. And January comes around, and of course, I want to show my classmates that I have a Game Gear. So I bring my Game Gear to school, and I bring it to school because I want to show everybody that I got it. But it was such a distraction in the class that my teacher made me put it in my locker. Now, you got to understand, I grew up in some tough areas. My man, I grew up in, in, in the Jehito, that's ghetto in the Greek. And, and so, 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 you know, you, you went to school with, 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 with Nook Nook, Peanut, Pee Wee. Nobody was known by their real names. Everybody had a hood name. And, and, and one of them saw me putting my game gear in my locker. I'm, I'm convinced. Because when I went at the end of the day to get my, my game out, my locker had been tampered with and my game gear was missing. So three days later, one of my friends comes to, comes to school and he's got a game gear. And he's showing his game gear off to everybody. Say, man, look what I got. I got this game gear. And I look at the game gear and it's got scratches on it. So I'm like, that's not my game gear. We're good. We're good. We're good. But, I got, but I, I've gone home and I've told my mom that I don't have my game. I come, I come and I tell my mom that my friend has a game gear. She says, there's no way that he bought a game gear that fast. That's your game. I said, mom, I don't know if it's my. No, where does he live? We're going to his house right now. Let's go. Let's go. Put your stuff on. Let's go. Oh, we finna figure this out right now. So, so we go over my friend's house. We find out, and they pull the game out, okay? They pull the game out, and, and, and I say, see, it's not mine, Mom. It's not mine. I, 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 this is my friend. He, he, he wouldn't take anything from me. His mama, listen, his mama said, I bought the game for him. Then my mom says, open the back of that game up, back where the battery is. So they open the game up, and they turn the battery around, the panel around, and there are my initials carved in the back of the panel that my mom put on the back of the game because she knew that I might do something stupid by possibly losing it. So she marked my game to make sure that nobody could take what belonged to me. I'm here to tell you a destiny that there are some things that God has marked for you that no man can take away from you, that God will never change his mind about. Whatever God has called you to do, you will do it in the time that he called you to do it. No matter who you are, he will make sure that you get what he wants you to do right in the time that he wants you to do it because there is no man there is no mountain there is no situation there is no sin that God will change his mind about what it is that he wanted to do to you you are marked and nobody else can do what you called to do because it is yours to do specifically somebody say amen I need somebody to get a little bit more excited about the fact that God has marked you and there's some stuff that nobody else can have but you and then I'm I'm moving quickly, expeditiously, because I, I, I want to make sure you understand that, 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 that as he was waiting, he, he didn't understand what I just said. So he's, he's suffering long through the night, and he's trying to figure out what's going on with this situation. But, but he didn't know that when God makes up his mind about someone, he doesn't change his mind. I want to speak to someone in this room now because I really feel like someone has given up on their destiny. Someone has given up on what God has called them to do because you've done something that you feel like uh, that he would not be happy with. You've, you've, you've gotten into some habits. You've gotten into some things. I feel you in my spirit. You've gotten into some things and you really feel like God could never do anything great with you anymore because you've done these things, because you've had this mindset, because you've said this, because you've given up on God, because you were angry with God, because he took something from you or someone from you. But can I tell you, God will never change change his mind about you. His mind is made up about you. Before you were created, he knew you. Before you ever changed your mind, he had made up his mind. He knew exactly what he wanted to do with you. And it doesn't matter how you feel. Get past your emotions and understand that God still has a plan for your life. God still wants to use you. God still has a desire to do something through you in the earth. 
touch three people around you and say, God still wants to use you. So we need some convincing. Come on now, I'm a black preacher. You're going to touch five people before the service is over with. Touch three people say, God's going to use you. God's going to use you. Touch them. See, because sometimes we can convince ourselves of something that God is not even thinking about. Let's, let's switch camera lenses and let's move quickly. I want to move to this staff. I want to move to this staff. Ooh, no, wait. Something just jumped in my spirit. <laughs> Some of you, thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of you believe that you have to work for God to approve of you. That, that you got you to gotta perform. Hello. You got to perform good enough before God decides he's going to do something with you and through you. That, that this is about works and not faith. But the Bible says that your works are as of filthy rags. That you could never be good enough, that you could never perform good enough to ever win God's approval. But because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we have access to God and now he forgives us because when he looks down, he no longer sees us, but he sees the blood of his son on the cross and he now accepts us and now we can come boldly before the throne of grace because of faith through Christ. See, we feel like works are the only way that we can get this done, but you got to understand Jesus came to do away with the curse of works. This is why when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Pastor, he's, he, had, he, he, was, he was there, he was praying, and he began to sweat drops of blood. Why would he sweat drops of blood instead of just sweat itself? Ah, because some theologians believe that the Garden of Gethsemane and the Garden of Eden are geologically located in the same location. And in the Garden of Eden, something happened that changed the trajectory of mankind. In the Garden of Eden, mankind messed up and they got cursed for what they had done. The woman was cursed to bear childbirth in pain. And the man and the serpent was cursed to crawl on his belly and eat of the dust of the ground for the rest of his life. So that means as long as you don't get in your flesh, which is dust, which is dirt, he can't eat you. He can't mess with you. But as long as you, as long as you stay out of that dirt and that dust, he, he can't touch you. That's another story for another day. But the curse that he gave to man, oh, this is good. the curse that he gave to man was that you would sweat from the brow of your head and till the ground for the rest of your life. Sheesh. So therefore, can I teach a little bit? In the Garden of Eden, we received the curse of works. So now we have to perform to make God happy. Now we have to cut turtle doves and sacrifice animals and blood has to be shed for us to have relationship with God, for him to be happy and for him to be appeased and that he would not be angry with us. We spent generations and generations sacrificing things over and over again, going through motions to make sure that God would be happy. And every year on the Day of Atonement called Yom Kippuro, we had to take the ashes of and blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and we would pray that... That, that the priest would come out and we would hear the bells being ringling so that we would have grace for another year and atonement with God for another year. But I'm here to tell you, when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he had to stop there before he went to the cross because he had to bleed from his brow because he had to curse the works that we were working in. He had to sweat, so, so he had to shed blood from the same place that we were cursed in. So now he has done away with the curse of works and now grace has been released and as long as we walk in his grace, we can do what he called us to do. No longer your works, but it's his grace and the blood that he shed from his head in the same place that we were sweating in now alleviates the, the opportunity for us to ever be good enough to have to work for what God has called us to do. Can I get a good amen right there? That we no longer have to work. That your works will not be good enough. That... Your righteousness is not good enough. That you can't be good enough ever to make God happy enough, period. It is what Jesus has done on the cross that makes God happy. And us receiving him through faith is the only thing that's going to keep him happy. 
So we can no longer work. You can't come to church enough. You can't come to every service on Sunday and think that's going to get you in or think that's going to make God use you more. It has nothing to do with your works. It is by faith through Christ. It is not your works. Somebody say amen. Amen. So I want to move to this staff while I have a few more minutes to staff. The staff is good. We got to get to this staff. This staff is really, really good. Staff is good. The staff is a shadowing type of Jesus. Why would you say that, preacher? Because the staff was once a living thing, broken branch from the tree. Shatab, I say. Broken branch from the tree. It once had life and leaves, and it was full of life and fruitful, and it was broken from the branch, and it was thrown to the side. Come on now. I'm talking about a tree branch. We're talking about these staffs that were laid up. A staff is just a broken tree branch from the tree that had life, that still has life. It was taken from there, and, and, and the Bible says that this staff budded. It's, it blooded. It budded without being connected to anything that could cause it to live. It was supernatural life that entered into it after it was dead. Kind of reminds me of a dude who was broken, who was broken, who was beaten, named Jesus, and he was pulled away from his father because the Bible says that the father turned his holy back on him. My father, my father, why have thou forsaken me? And he was broken from the branch. He was, he was a tree branch broken, and he was laid in a tomb where he was laid up before the Lord. Ah, and because of the power and the presence of God, life came again. And he walks out of the tomb full of power, full of might, and more fruitful than he was before he was broken from the tree. My brothers, my sisters, the staff is a shadowing type of Jesus And that is why it's so important. And that is why it is in the Ark of the Covenant because it had to have the resurrection represented in the Ark of the Covenant. That's another story for another day. But this pre-tree branch is interesting because something living came out of something dead. We serve a God who specializes in giving life to dead things. Lazarus, come forth. We serve a God who shows up and finds dead girls and speaks life into them and they come back to life. We serve a God who speaks to centurion soldiers whose son are dying of fever and he can send his word and, and they become alive again because we serve a God who gives life to dead things. And of course, this, this, this staff is going to represent the resurrection because it has to be here and the staff is there and, and, the man of God is there with this staff and, and so, so he's there and, and this situation is starting to change on him and, 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 and he doesn't understand why the staff has to be in this situation. He doesn't understand why God has asking for a staff to represent it, but God has to show that he is the resurrection, he is the truth, and he is the life. And before any man does anything, I am the supernatural thing. This is the beautiful part about it too. The staff came back to life after being laid up in the presence of the Lord. Ah, Do you understand what happens when you lay something dead in the presence of the Lord? I dare you to take that marriage and lay it up before the presence of the Lord. Stop complaining and stop, stop shouting, stop screaming. Just lay it up before the presence of the Lord. I dare you to lay that child into the presence of the Lord and just turn that child over to Jesus and say, Lord, I've done what I can and I'm, I'm still going to do what I can, but I'm going to trust that as I lay in the presence of the Lord and I put him in the presence of the Lord, that's why you need to bring your children to church. Don't let your children check out of church. They're under your supervision. Keep bringing them in the presence of the Lord and you will see that the things that you put in them, when they grow old, they will not depart from those things and they will have something to draw back from because they need to be laid up in the presence of the Lord. I need a good parent to say amen right there. When dead things are laid up in the presence of the Lord, they come back to life. So this staff is laid up in the presence of the Lord and overnight it buds, it blossoms, and it yields fruit. It buds, it blossoms, and it yields fruit. It buds, it blossoms, 
and it yields fruits. It buds, it blossoms, and it yields fruit. Someone's about to bud. Someone's about to blossom. Someone's about to yield fruit. Someone who feels like God had given up on them is about to bud. You're about to blossom. You're about to yield fruit. Someone's marriage is about to bud. Someone's marriage is about to blossom. Someone's about to yield fruit. Someone's child is about to bud. Someone's child is about to blossom. Someone's about to yield fruit. Someone's finances is about to bud. Someone's finances is about to blossom. Someone's about to yield fruit because this is the type of God that we serve who has the ability to make you bud, to make you blossom, and to make you yield fruit again. It doesn't matter if it looks dead. God has the ability to make you bud, to make you blossom, and to make you yield fruit. God has the ability to do it supernaturally all by himself. I love that he does it supernaturally, that no man can take credit for it, that no one can say that they did this for you, that no one can step in and say, it was me and my wisdom, it was me and my money, it was me and my education, hello somebody, it was me and my good looks, no, 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 this was done by God, and when your situation transforms because you're going to bud, you're going to blossom, and you're going to yield fruit. When it happens, you make sure you give God all the glory and God all the praise because it is him and him alone that changed your situation, that turned it around, that made things change from what they were to what they are now. Because we serve a God who knows how to make things bud, knows how to make things blossom, knows how to make things yield fruit. There is a season of fruit that's coming from your labor I feel that in my spirit prophetically. There's a season of fruit that's about to come, Pastor. There's a season of fruitful leaders that are coming your way, that are going to serve this house, and they're going to be faithful to the call of God that they've been placed under. There's a season of fruitfulness that's coming in this place where people are going to come from all over Joplin to see what's going on in destiny because there has been seed that has been sowed. There has been blood, sweat, tears that have been put in, and this place lives by faith, and they understand and they know who the who's responsible for the fruitfulness in this place and who has the responsibility to put people where they should be and things where they should be because we understand that we serve a God who knows how to make things bud, know how to make things blossom, know how to make things bear fruit. So now Moses comes out. Here it is. I need, there we go. Uh, Moses comes out with the staffs. Can you imagine what the next morning must have felt like for Aaron? Because he thought maybe God might have changed his mind about him. But when God comes out, oh, I forgot to tell you this. When we read the scriptures, it said that Moses was assigned to put Aaron's name on the rod. Nobody else's name was put on any other of the rods. Only Aaron's name was written on his rod because God wanted to make sure that when the people saw that his staff blossomed, that his name would be put on it. This is the point I was making earlier about my video game system. My name was on it, so no one could take it from me. Stand to your feet. We serve a God who knows how to make things bud, blossom, and yield fruit. We serve a God who has not changed his mind about what he has declared about you, declared about your marriage, declared about your children, declared about your life, declared about your salvation. We serve a God who is faithful to us, faithful to our dysfunctions, faithful to our ever-changing minds, faithful to our emotions that can go crazy at times, faithful no matter what we think. He's faithful. We serve a God that has the ability to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. I came to remind someone this morning, in this place, that this but this morning is for you. God sent me to remind a few people. Let me get up here because I want to see everybody's face. He sent me to remind a few people that he has not forgotten about you. That he still has you on his mind. And he still has purpose and destiny waiting to be released in this earth through you. I don't know why I feel this kicking in my spirit so strong. Some of you feel like God could never use you because of 
who you think you are and the things that you don't know and the things that you have done. But can I tell you something? God is not just expecting the pastors and the preachers to be witnesses in the earth. God is waiting on you to accept the fact that he loves you that he's thinking of you and that he has chosen you for such a time as this because you are that chosen generation you are that royal priesthood you are that holy nation you are a peculiar people that God has chosen to pull out of darkness and release into his marvelous light you are that generation it doesn't matter how old you are it doesn't matter if you're in your 60s it doesn't matter if you're 19 or 20 it doesn't matter if you're 15 or 40 God has not changed his mind about you and he still desires to use you. This bud is for you. Bow your heads this morning. Let's pray. As we get ready to close this service, I just want to know, is there anybody in this room say, Pastor, that word was for me. I I felt something in my spirit. I I heard something that stuck out to me. I want to know who you are as we get ready to close this and and service in prayer. I just want to know so I can pray for you. I I want to know who the Davids are in the room. I want to know who the Joshuas are in the room. I want to know who the Aarons are in the room. I want to know who the people who have made some mistakes and who have done some things that you may not be proud of and have said some things that you might want to take back. But today you realize that God has not changed his mind about you. That this but this morning was for you. This is a reminder that God still is faithful to you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Let's pray. Father, we bless you this morning. We give you glory and honor that you have reminded us this day that you have not forgotten about us, that you haven't changed your mind, and that you are pointing at us this morning and reminding us of how special we are in your sight. Father, I pray that every son, every daughter, every mother, every father, every sister, every brother, every mother, every grandmother, every grandfather in this room would realize that you are their chosen favorite, that you love them, that you think the world of them, and you still have a desire to use them. I cancel. Uh Uh-huh. I feel you in the room. I feel you, spirit. I feel that wicked spirit of condemnation in this room. I cancel the spirit of condemnation, guilt, and shame right now in the name of Jesus. I curse it at the root right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare over you grace. I declare over you mercy. I declare that you will forgive yourself. That you would release yourself from the bondage that you hold yourself in. Not allowing yourself to do what God called you to do. And be what God called you to be. And this day whom the Son has set free free is free indeed if you believe that somebody lift your hands shout out to God with a voice of triumph come on somebody shout quickly I wouldn't be a good evangelist if I didn't ask this question nobody move nobody get hurt I'm from the hood I'll come get you Anybody in this room, every head bowed, every eye closed. Anybody in this room might have stumbled into this sanctuary. Somebody might have invited you. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe you visited a few times. You haven't accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You haven't made him your Lord. You haven't said yes to Jesus before. If you're in this room, and something that this crazy preacher from Dallas might have said, that might have touched your heart, maybe something was said during worship, maybe you felt something. If you're in this room, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you to a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you to say yes to someone who chose you before you ever knew them. Jesus is the salvation of the earth. And when you receive him, he reveals destiny and purpose in your heart. And you begin to live a life that is full of purpose. And God begins to alleviate you of the pain of your past. If you're here and you need a relationship with Jesus, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one looking around takes all my time to mind all my business. If you're here, you want a relationship with Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I just want to know who you are. I want to pray for you. We want to give you some information here at the church. One, this is your day of salvation. Two, today and tomorrow may not prom- may not be promised. This may be the last opportunity. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We live in a crazy world. This may be your last chance. Three. 
you're in here and you need Jesus, raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. I just want to pray with you. I just want to pray with you and make sure that you're safe, that your soul is secure. Anybody in this room? Amen. Amen. Everybody's saved. Everybody loves God. Amen. Can we make some noise for Jesus in this place? Come on, can we do better than that? Make some noise for Jesus in this place. standing we're going to close out with this course one more time before we do i want you to prepare we want to bless ontario and his family listen this, this is his livelihood this is how he supports his family uh, through the offerings that are given the places he goes to minister and so we want to be a big blessing to him and his family and his ministry we appreciate the heart that he brought today the word that he bought today and so we want to honor him with our giving so i want everybody who can to help me bless him Let's bow our heads. Let's pray over this offering. That our offering, uh, our, we're going to pass the buckets. We'll have buckets coming along your way. We're going to give as we close out with this course. Father, we thank you, Pastor Ontario. We thank you for the word that he bought this morning. God, but we know that, God, you still have a call on our life. And, God, you still see us as valuable. And, God, I thank you for your grace, which is amazing today. God, may today we be obedient to your word which is about giving. Prepare our hearts to give. So right now we bless this offering. We pray over it in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, we're going to pass those offering baskets. All right, now listen. Let me remind you, we're coming back tonight at 6 o'clock. Okay, I want everybody who can to come back at 6 it's going to be a high energy. Remember, not only is Ontario speaking again, but we also have the Transformation Worship Team going to be here tonight at 6. So it's going to be a lot of energy, a lot of worship praise. We're just going to go after God, chase God with all of our heart tonight, immediately following big after party. So we want you to come tonight. Invite somebody, bring them with you. God bless you. If you want a T-shirt, make sure you stop by back here and grab a T-shirt. God bless you. We love you. <laughs>